And so he grabs the stack and says, I got it. And he sits on the floor of the video room. And he goes page by page. Unbelievable. Nope, don't need this. Till he extracts like the tw- 10, 12 relevant pages. Gets up, says, I got these. Throw the rest of that shit away. <laughs> and, and that's Shaq. Welcome back, Game of Lifers, to another episode of the Game of Life podcast. I know it's been a little while, but I've been traveling all over the world, down in Australia, in Melbourne, in Sydney, and if you get a chance to go down there, it's an unbelievable place. I'll tell you more stories coming up from there. Interesting, interesting event at the Australian Open, getting in there, watching the doll. They went up to Vancouver for a little while, unbelievable place, a little bit cold, but very beautiful place. And now I'm back in Los Angeles, a couple weeks here, and we've got Tokyo, Japan coming up next. Would be really nice if you guys have just quit your day jobs and joined me on all these travels. We game a life it from everywhere around the world. I'm just waiting on you guys. Let me know. All right, this is the second half of the podcast with Amin El Hassan, ESPN NBA savant. Quick recap from the first episode with Amin. He is an unbelievably knowledgeable person in everything in the NBA, and he's worked with the Phoenix Suns, been in front office, now he's with ESPN, you probably see him all over TV, just has the inside scoop on basically everything, and he's super interesting, one of the best storytellers I've ever heard, and he's got a lot more stories coming for you in this episode. In episode one, he talked about LeBron and Jordan, who's going to be the best ever, talked about how just like not caring really made him who he is he never really had the dream of being an espn analyst in the nba and now he's uh, I, I would say arguably the best one that there is all right welcome back to the game of life podcast we've got jeremy lynn on jeremy what's going on the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why he's like the eye of the hurricane because in the middle of the hurricane it's really calm And so Michael never tried to stop all the madness around him. What he learned was he just got calm in the middle of it. Stealing that pass at Staples, I was like, dude. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Give Kobe a little glance after that. What's up? Uh, You want to be that person that when they walk into a room, that people are happy to see you. Talk to me about working with Ronaldo. You helped coach Ronaldo to become a great sleeper. A human test tube. Thank you, man. I, I, <laughs> I think that's like one notch up from being a human guinea pig. They'll take it. In a good uh, way. And I just pray, man. Like, I just pray and I just thank God for, for everything. The moment you realized, man, I'm in the NBA. Oh, man, that was from day one. That was the, the, the day I got drafted when I heard my name being called. Buckle up, the Game of Life podcast coming at you, where we bring to you the behind-the-scenes lives of NBA players, business-savvy entrepreneurs, and top-level performers in all fields of personal development. The podcast that helps you become the best version of you. In this episode, you're going to hear the coolest story on Shaq, what you never, ever thought about Shaquille O'Neal. You'll understand why the NBA is going to move to China and you'll find out what's coming next in the NBA and just super packed with in-depth stories behind the scenes that you only get here on The Game of Life and only with my very good friend, Amin El Hassan. Here we go. Yeah. 
That's crazy. All right, man, I'm going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. You can answer them as quick, as long, whatever you want. Putting you on the hot seat. All right, let's talk about the future of the NBA. Let's say 20 years from now, give me some points on what the NBA is looking like. Ooh, I know, I, uh, I bring the tough ones. That's, that's the rapid part the hot seat. Oh, it could be, okay, uh, be a deep one. I mean, I'm just, yeah, whatever. I think, um, I think Joel Embiid is what is going to be the prototype of what people look for. A big guy who can shoot threes, who can switch, but also can post up. Like I think the post up nice. will come back in some form or fashion, but it's not going to be guys that just all I do is post up. Like that's not yeah. good enough. It's got to be a yeah. dude who does everything and posts up. I like that a lot, man. When everybody's going one way, it comes back the other way, just like short yeah. shorts. Yep. Yeah, exactly. What do you think I about – you say you hope that one doesn't come back? <laughs> I see the dudes. I'm like, y'all, you need to stop with that. Go ahead. All right, next uh, question. Yeah, what do you think about in terms of like uh, like China or, or development as far as a worldwide product oh. or even like, even like the real estate investment that people are getting into or maybe they're even – Guys are getting paid in crypto. I don't know. Yeah, um, uh, I, I think. Oh, this is tough, man. Because yeah, I think tough I don't think uh, cities outside of the continental United States is, uh, or North America is going to happen. So I think if we do end up expanding, even though I think thirty is a, is a nice round number, I think at most it'll be Mexico City. Yeah. Or maybe an, or maybe a return to Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and obviously Seattle and a couple other American markets there. But I, I don't see like London, the London silly nannies are like, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> because even, even if travel, like even if travel is like, oh, yeah. that's an hour flight from the, from the East Coast, like people are still going to be like, yeah, but it takes me 20 minutes to get to like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. and then, and then it turns into like, oh, an hour is too long to be on a flight. Right, because every other yeah. flight is going to be super fast, right? Uh, you know, I'm just thinking of like some uh, what's my man Tesla, the Tesla. That's what I was just Elon Musk. Say. Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Hyperloop. Like if Elon, yeah, if Elon Musk comes up with this one-hour flight, New York to London, well, that means New York to LA is is one hour, and that means like New York to anywhere else, New York to Miami is like 20 minutes, right? Yeah. And and so we're all going to shift what is acceptable down right like oh an hour oh like much like if you told people in the 1800s yo i could we get to the other coast it's gonna take us five five to six hours like five to six hours it's amazing it takes us like three weeks right now right in, in or even longer month it takes a month right with a covered wagon right <laughs> to them six hours seems great to us yeah. six hours like oh it's so long to be on a plane you know? oh, man, so, for sure so i within that context like i, I don't see it, uh growing outside of that but yeah. i do see the nba partnering more with local foreign leagues so it's not just the g league you have an nba china league which i know they talked about in the past you have an nba um philippines and, and like just kind of these places where maybe it's an NBA Africa or for the whole continent. Yeah. Um, they're, they're investing and, and, but even then that, that, tra- that travel is not easy either. So uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. Yeah. What about, uh, working with Shaq and Charles? You got any good stories that you're able to tell about them? 
So I, I never worked with Charles, but I just know him because we have mutual right. acquaintances. Um, and I guess I guess we live we live not too far from each other. Uh, even though I've never I've literally the only time I've ever seen him in Phoenix was at Marley's, which is the bar that Dan Marley owns. Hey, that's the spot and, we we first met at. Yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah, first exactly. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that there or the airport. Those are the only two yeah. places I've ever seen Charles Barkley myself. Like, yeah, my own eyes. Um, Shaq, obviously, we spent eighteen months, I guess, together in Phoenix, and that was man. That's truly the weirdest man I've ever met. <laughs> and I mean that yeah, like in a great way. I, yeah. I, what I tell people, like, what you see on TV is nothing. Like, I mean, that's him yeah. putting on a character that he feels will be appealing to people, uh, to, to people, people he works with, yeah. people on TV, people watching. But like, I told you this story mm-hmm. that Shaq used to go to Walmart every night, every night you go to Walmart. I don't know for what he'd go to Walmart at like midnight and just roam around. Right. And he'd come back with stuff that he bought from Walmart. And so one day he came with like, you know those scanners that they use for inventory? Like, so they take it and they scan the barcode and they tell them, oh, we only have three more of these cases in yeah. the back. Like, this, this not, I don't even think Walmart sells it. This is like the thing that Walmart employees use, right? Um, and then if it's out, they can reorder from this thing. It's basically, it was like a smartphone, like way ahead of its time. Right. Uh, it was big, it was a big brick too. So, Shaq, um, comes in and he says I need to reprogram this so I can use it as a global phone GSM phone and I said what and he said yeah these things they have it in them but you have to like reprogram it like because when these companies use it they usually turn off all those functionalities to focus on the RFID and all that. and I'm like what he's like look just just print out the manual and I'll, I'll I'll come find the relevant pages. So he goes to practice. Find the manual online. I put in the serial code of this thing. Find the manual. Hit print. It's literally no lie, like 500 pages. <laughs> like I had to reload paper in the printer and everything. So he comes back and I said, dude, it's, this is a stack of papers when I print out the manual. And no, I'm not going to go through this thing. And so he grabs the stack and says, I got it. And he sits on the floor of the video room. And he goes page by page. Unbelievable. Nope, don't need this. Till he extracts like the tw- 10, 12 relevant pages. Gets up, says, I got these, throw the rest of that shit away. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Shaq. That's Shaq. Like, Shaq. like when I tell people Shaq's smart, they're like, no, he's not. He's an idiot. Like, yeah. This dude is really smart. He just like puts on some like he plays a role he plays a role when not just on tv but in public i feel like he plays a role that in private is not anywhere near what kind of uh person he is yeah so no one would have any idea about that i think that makes him even smarter that he's able to play to the public like he's just acting pretty much I, you know really i don't cool, like I don't, man it's funny like i've thought, i've done a lot of thinking about this yeah. and one day when he accepts my invitation to come on the podcast I want to do like an Oprah style one-on-one sit down with him and ask him like, like what is where does that come from? Because I don't think it's like because I'm smarter than everybody else. Watch them, watch me fool them. Yeah, I think it comes from a place of like I want people to like me. 
and I think this, I think this is what people like. And so, yeah. And 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 like you know, I've never had that deep of a conversation with them about this, but I think I'm pretty good at. uh, I think reading. Yeah, for sure. I think you should have him on the podcast, but doing it in an Oprah style, but also running pick and rolls with him, like you told me that you had to do when you got sent in there to Phoenix. Oh, man. My neck mm-hmm. still hurts. <laughs> Your neck still hurts uh, from that. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, just to, for, for people to get a, an idea, like Shaq, um, when, he, when he, he was injured in Miami, so when we traded for him, we had to get him back in shape. Like, he hadn't been working out and stuff, and so they had him on the corrective exercises and stuff. So for the cardio, they wanted him doing basketball stuff. And so uh, that first night, it was like midnight, we brought him to the gym and we were running all types of pick and rolls and, and stuff like that. Uh, delayed, you know, delayed rolls and, you know, all, all these different kind of situations, you know, that we, we do. Yeah, like it's yeah. not just random stuff. And so I was supposed to be the the token defense and um we taught like a touch and go thing where it's like you tap the man to build just a little burst of momentum and separation as you uh explode in the in the roll and so the coach is doing the dribbling dribbles and Shaq sets the screen and he and he doesn't lay the wood he just does a tap and go but a tap for Shaq <laughs> Yeah, is is like a Mack truck in general. And then factor in, I'm not really that big of a dude to begin with. And uh, I'm not going to write home about my core strength. And now you've escalated to like, it's not a, a Mack truck. It's like getting hit by a 747 uh, and going at full speed. And so I'm just like flying everywhere. Um, and then they wanted, then they wanted like a, what was it? It was, we had, a, I think it's, it's fist up short where the roll man rolls, but the ball handler isn't the one that delivers. The ball handler hits the guy on the other side of the lane and that guy throws the alley-oop. So I'm the short man is that they call it. Mm-hmm. I'm on this side of the lane. He sets the screen, rolls hard down the other lane pipe. Ball handler passes me the ball. I got to throw the alley-oop. Then they keep complaining it's not high enough. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just flinging it like to the shot clock, pretty much, and he's still kind of very easily like catching and and dropping it down. And, and uh, but you know, but you know, like these aren't like to me the funny stories are the funny stories are like when I tell people Shaq shot eighty percent from the free throw line in practice. Shaq would pull, shoot pull up jumpers in practice. Shaq would dribble. He would copy players like he would do Steve Smith little fake spin baseline. He would he do the the uh, Tim Hardaway UTEP two step like he did all that stuff. He he moved and that's the thing for me. It's like it's not that he was big. It's that he moved like a guard. He was so nimble for a guy that size and that weight and explosive and great footwork. Um, there's a real fun video. Speaking of footwork, I watched of like uh, Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. And he had all these YouTube or YouTube and Instagram stars for workout guys. One dude was the best core strength dude, and one dude was this, and then and there's a third dude who was like a footwork dude. 
He's like, he calls himself the magic feet or whatever. And so he puts out the little ladder and Marshawn says, show me what you got. And the guy does it. And Marshawn said, okay, that, that's cool. Show me what you really got. Though. I want to see the, don't show me the, how you do it. Show me like the, this is you doing at full speed. And the guy does it. And it's like a blur. And then Marshawn goes, and this is a guy, it's a guy who's a very large man. And when I tell you his feet moved as fast as this, probably five, nine, very nimble, lithe, shredded dude like he was just as fast man that's crazy so it's like it's funny when you see like a lot of these people like oh why is he oh because he's big he's bowling over guys like yeah he's big that's part of it there's a lot of big dudes but they don't move like that they don't have that kind of footwork and that's that's the big difference it's interesting i wonder how great he could have been if he just embraced who he was as a person and 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 all that skill set he had as a player because i remember in the all-star games you'd see him doing all the crazy type of stuff and he did it really well. That's interesting, man. Those are, all, those are awesome stories. Instead of a sponsor for this week, I'm going to let you know about the big project I've been putting together, basically my whole life's work, which I'll talk more about at the end of the podcast as well, but the athlete of the future and how you can be a part of it. It's how NBA players, top athletes, top peak performers in every field train their mind body and spirit on a daily basis to make themselves the best version of themselves they can be i think the term life coach way overused and has a bad connotation to it i don't like it best version coach doing something better every single day every single day to help you reach your goal and that's what the athlete of the future is about and it's unbelievable i know it's a shameless plug me putting it in there but it's coming at you here in the next and maybe this week or next week it's going to be launched dnabasketball.com i'll let you know more and more at the end of this podcast as well to tell you how you can be a part of it how you can join exclusively to the dna family and be the athlete of the future coming at you more but right now second half of this podcast my guy amin el hassan story time Okay, I'll hit you with a couple quick quick ones before we get you off here. Uh, how about any mottos or, or quotes that, that you live by? Something that motivated you when you were young? If, if there's a kid in that's watching you, which I'm sure there is, that looks up to you is like, man, I want to do that. I want to aspire to be just like you. What, what type of advice or quotes or mottos or anything could you give give to them? funny because people ask me all the time like oh man what you're doing right now that's exactly what i want to do i bet what do i do yeah, exactly. and i and i and i say go work for an nba team for six years yeah yeah <laughs> like that I mean that's because i again because i didn't dream about this so like they were there starting at their stage in college or fresh college graduates i'm like i don't know how much advice i can give you because i don't think my path was a very traditional one i think they get a much more meaningful answer out of asking a bomani jones or a pablo torre or or guys like that who you know, while, you know, like Bomani didn't have a journalism degree either, but he had an inclination towards this profession much earlier than in life than I did. Um, but, but to your credit, I mean, yeah, you've always been on, on the grind. Like people don't, a lot of people don't know yeah. your background story with Phoenix, but I mean, you put in, you put in work on work. Well, to get I to did, point. but, but like, the, but again, there's no precedent. Yeah, there's no there, there, There's no other front office dude who's doing this stuff, and and the ones who have are all general managers who had dealt with the media, who had talked to the media. So it's easy for um, 
Well, I'll give you a great example. My mentor, the guy that I worked for, one of the smartest dudes I know is David Griffin. Yeah. David Griffin uh, resigned from the Cavs uh, last summer after leading them to three straight finals and a championship, the only championship in the city of, of whatever, of Cleveland in a, mm-hmm. a billion years, right? Mm-hmm. David Griffin did some work for us on the jump, and now he, he basically signed with Turner. He's on NBA TV, and he has his own radio show. It ain't hard for Griff to pick up a phone because all these people know him. Mark Stein knows him. Adrian Wojnarowski knows him. Um, Rachel Nichols knows him. Ernie Johnson knows him. Charles Barkley knows him. Like David Griffin is a public figure. Right. And so when David Griffin, the general manager, decides to not be a general manager anymore and decides he wants to do media work, it's basically the pick of the litter. All right, well, should I work for Turner or should I work for <laughs> for ESPN yeah. or should I try to do my own thing? Like, he's got options. Same thing with coaches. I work with Coach Byron Scott. Everybody knows Byron. Yep. Not only because he played, but, you know, as a coach. And, again, he's talked to all these media people all this time and stuff. So for me, it wasn't like, man, to hell with this NBA stuff. Let me do, try this. Let me do this media thing until I get another NBA job. It was, yeah, man, like, uh, let me try doing this a little bit, and maybe, and that maybe that'll give some time for some jobs to open up. And then when I started doing it, I realized it was something I was good at. You know, I jo- yeah. Here's a good joke. Here's a good story. We got so. Esports, you know what esports are? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like so, it's like the video games. Video people games. play video yep. games, but that in and of it's not just playing Madden. I'm talking about like people playing Overwatch and all these oh, um, yeah. online Call of Duty and stuff like that. But it's like teams, and they compete in these leagues, and um, and you know, and they're making money because they sell sponsors and all that stuff. So they have they so we're ESPN is getting into esports and their coverage or whatever. And they have this studio in LA that they're trying to convert into an esports studio. Like they've got like top of the line computers. Cause like the real pros, they don't play on Xbox and PS4. They're playing on computers with a keyboard and a, and a special mouse or whatever. And, uh, so we're setting up this room, or whatever. And the guy setting it up, uh, one of my friends was like, yo, is it okay when you guys are on music? Can we hop in there and play? And they're like, sure, if it's set up, like it's not set up now, and it'd take about an hour to set up. But anytime, yeah, you guys are, are welcome to. And so I said, and, they, and then they said, yeah, but you know, it's not consoles, it's computers. And I said to myself, yeah, man, I've never played on a computer. And then I said out loud, what if I'm the chosen one? <laughs> and everyone started laughing, like, what do you mean? I'm like, what if, like, because I've never played, most of these games, I've actually never played the game at all. Yeah. And definitely not on a computer. If I played, I played on a console. So it's like, what if I like sit down and just like, like Joel Embiid, like, yo, you've never played basketball before. Okay, do this triple uh, up, up fake drop step maneuver, and he does it fluidly in a game, right? Yeah. Like, what if I'm like that, and and like I'm just the greatest Overwatch player that no one ever never knew because I never got a chance. And everyone's like, yo, you out of your mind? Why would you even think that? Da da da. And I said, I'll tell you why. Because that's how TV has been for me. Like, yeah. hey, man, uh, why don't you try this TV thing? And I sat down, and from day one, people asked, you weren't nervous? I'm like, why would I be nervous? This stuff is easy. But it, it's easy because in my brain, I don't – like, I see people, veteran journalists, when I'm in Bristol, standing in front of a mirror, like, rehearsing their lines. I'm like, 
bro, don't you already know this? Yeah. Why do you need to rem- why do you need to memorize it? But I but I understood like that was you know early on I understood man for a lot of people this thing is not an easy task. That's right. That's a Sit good point. I, I like I like, I never felt that way. And so and when you never feel that way, it's hard at uh, definitely at first, but it's hard at times to keep that in mind when you're talking about other people. Yeah. So um the same way that and now I'm going to sound really egotistical. The same way that <laughs> good M- Magic Johnson wasn't a good coach. Right. Right? Because Magic Johnson looks at it like, it's so simple. Why wouldn't you just right. do this, this, and this? And it's like, nah, you're talking to people who aren't operating on that same level. What's instant to you and so obvious to them, there's a journey where they got to get to that point. Um, and so I, I feel that way about what I do now because I think, I think it's – Incredibly easy, but that, in that, a way that, yeah. in a way that you know, being on the team side was a lot harder. Now you could say it was a lot more rewarding emotionally. You know, when you're winning and you're doing well, and and you make these great friendships and, and relationships. But um, it definitely was a lot more work. I think it was a lot more work than than what I do now. Now I'll, I'll say what was what was hard for me writing when I when I started I was writing. Yeah, I wasn't doing TV. That was hard. Right. That was hard and agonizing, but because it doesn't come naturally to me. See, that's that's what I think is really impressive, and that's why I think that you are so good at what you do. Because a lot of these guys in this business, that's this has been their dream their whole life. They've been building for it. They put so much pressure on themselves. You go on there, and you're just real. You're who you are. This is just. I mean, you're not putting on any front or anything. This is just. Hey, you're super knowledgeable. Uh, like that's that's the one reason too that I think that you should be a GM. That's why I keep saying it is your knowledge of the game, your knowledge of players, your understanding and everything. And it just man, it just seems like it just really comes natural watching you on TV. Yeah, like, there's no I mean, pressure. Yeah, on but you. I, don't feel I, pressure I think. What, but I, I also think what you're seeing is oh, he's good at TV. I, like I, I don't know if the things that come across and that happens a lot when people get hired like that because they're good on TV. I don't know. If me being good on TV makes me a good leader, I, I really don't. Like in terms of motivating people, in terms of keeping people on task, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's a strong suit of mine. I've never been a leader. Yeah. Well, I've been. You could be the chosen I've one. You a, don't know. Yeah, exactly. I could be the chosen <laughs> one. But, but this is one of the ones where I like, I know like my personality and I know I'm very good at like one-on-one relationships and I'm very good at spreading the gospel. That, I mean, that was my gift, like inside the organization. We, this is what we're going to do. Say no more. I'll get everybody on board. It's awesome. But it's different. It's different to be that guy than it is to be the guy who says, hey, this is how it's going to be. It's true. It's a lot. It's easier to be a pope than to be Jesus. <laughs> That's a great I could be the pope. I, can, I don't know if I could be Jesus. All right. How about this? I'll be the GM of the San Diego Conquistadors or, or the London yeah. Lollipops or whatever we said. <laughs> and then you can spread everything that I'm trying to say. Man, I appreciate I appreciate you big time coming on, man. I, I could talk to you literally all day long. There's so many more questions I want to ask you too. I just it's just an enjoyment and pleasure talking to you, and I'm and I know the listeners to this podcast will absolutely love it as well. Uh, is there any, any any way any anything we can support that you're doing? Anything foundation wise, charity wise, anything like that, or how can we follow donate, you? Donate. Uh, there's two charities. Yep. Uh, Steve Nash Foundation. Nice. Uh, they do great work uh, for 
for kids, really. Early childhood development, and um, they're very big in early childhood education, and that's something, there's all types of studies that show that the earlier you get kids in structured academic environments, the better they do in school, and that's even accounting for not being in the best neighborhoods, not having the best opportunities academically. Um, the other one I would say is, uh, my buddy, um, Tom Haberstroh, yep. um, his mother was diagnosed with ALS. And so they started the ALS hot pepper challenge, basically, uh, to help raise awareness and, um, and get people, uh, to, uh, donate uh, money to try and find a cure for ALS. If you bear with me for a second, I can find the link. Oh, I'll get the link. I could buy. I mean, if I search it, Google it, you can yeah, find it. Nice. Yeah, I should. Yeah, it's. I, I blame Tom because Tom, this should be in his bio, man. Like, I shouldn't have to be searching, searching through his tweets of this. Like, come on, Tom. <laughs> See, that, that should catch on. Like, the wasn't it the ALS, ALS ice bucket I, challenge? I, yeah, so. yeah, I would do the hot pepper. I'm not, I'm not great with spice, but I'd do it for a good cause. I would go. I'm not great. Pain. I'm not. I'm not great with it either. But I did it and I nice, got through man. it. And I and I did mine online. I mean on uh, TV, on air. So. <laughs> so Hold on, so you had to do it. The, the I got the the website is. Oh yeah, you'd be better off just searching for it. It's it <laughs> it, it it benefits. Um, the ALS Therapy Development Institute, and they've got, uh, I guess, what is, uh, they're 59% of the way to the goal. They've raised almost $30,000. That's awesome. I'll, yeah, I'll definitely put it on the nose of the podcast, and I'll pump it out there, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out and do it. So I'll watch your video. Can I watch your video first? Is yours up? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll watch yeah, your mine's video. On YouTube. If, you, if you go to YouTube and you search... I mean, El Hassan. Yep. Uh, let me just see if I say challenge. Does that get it? I'm gonna watch you. Yeah. Make sure I don't. Yeah. If you pull up Amin El Hassan, you. Amin El Hassan challenge. It's like the fourth video on the list. Sweet. I got it, man. And the most important question of this podcast, as we wrap this up, which man, appreciate your time, big time on this. Where is the next spot we're going to eat? The next food and the next spot we're going to eat. Well, okay. Sushi last so time. What do we got next? This dude, I, see, now I'm intimidated to ever bring up any place. <laughs> After that. For, for background, David, for months, had been telling me, we got to go to the sushi place. It's not that far from downtown. It's right around the block from you. Da, da, da. And every time it's like either I, I'm working or I'm leaving that day so I don't have time or whatever. So finally, he was like, hey, man, uh, me and, and Kevin Arnovitz and, and some other people are getting at this spot uh, this, this Thursday night or whatever. He said, can you make it? And I said, you know what? I actually can. <laughs> and so – and I'm thinking it's like, you know, like one of those off-the-beaten-path sushi places, but, you know, like a sushi place. And I go, first of all, we having dinner with the, the part owner or is he the full owner of the restaurant? Yeah, him and his, him and his partner, him and his lawyer partner own it. Yeah. So like that 50%, basically the owner of the restaurant didn't see that coming. The restaurant is, is owned or have owned by this dude who lives in Japan. He's a, he's, he's an American lawyer, but he lives in Japan. Um, and, 
has lived in Japan for a long time. His, you know, his family is his, his wife is Japanese. His, his sons are half Japanese, and so the restaurant is like authentic, authentic, authentic. Like not katsuya, like yeah. super authentic sushi. Um, second of all, it's decorated with all of these artifacts that are like not exaggerating a thousand years old. Yep. I'm not saying, oh, it's really old. I'm saying well, this is from the year uh, t- <laughs> 1200, you know, like, and it's like a, it's it's a little carved boat and inside they stored things. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and Dave's like, don't even pass it my way. <laughs> you don't even want to hold it, want to touch it. I'm like, let me I got to see this. Um, and so we had it was the best sushi I've ever had in my life. And they just kept coming out with different types of sashimi and all types of stuff and they they asked me do you have any allergies or anything you don't eat and i told them and so they would bring out when they bring out something to the table that i couldn't eat they brought out something completely different but nonetheless very tasty for me um and obviously we didn't see a bill but i can only assume that this is like easily four figures easily in the four figure ring oh yeah it gets up there it definitely gets up there so now you gotta keep in mind dave says to me where are we gonna go eat next i'm like bro like i can't (laughs) cheesecake factory like i (laughs) got i can't compete with that like the one place i got bianco's in phoenix because it's a little bit of a wait to get in and it's very very good food uh but beyond that like i'm just you know i went to dinner with with, uh kevin arnovitz the other night and he took us again like some He's a foodie. Like, yeah, he's a foodie. Like, I, I, I understand. Like, I appreciate it, but I know I'm not operating on that level, man. Like, as far as, so I'm more of like, you tell me where we're gonna go, and then we'll go. Deal. We're going but to your house. I, you're cooking it. Then that's the uh, that's the only way you can. Nah, be that's that. Whatever you oh, got. Uh, no, nah, man. That's that's even worse. I, we better all go to McDonald's then. <laughs> Bro, bacon and eggs is cool with me. That's all I do here at my house. So that's good with me. <laughs> Well, sweet, man. Yeah, hey, man. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. So this is just a lot of fun talking to you, man. We, let's, let's let's make this a weekly thing we do. My new podcast is going to be just podcast with a meme. Story, story <laughs> yeah. time. I've always thought you should have a TV show like that, just like story out, time man. with a meme. I, w- I would run out too quick. We gotta. I, that's why I got to do like just space it out for yeah, a long enough time. Man. Well, thanks, man. Let's, uh, let's be in touch soon for sure. Let me know when you're back out this way, and I'll definitely let you know when I'm in Phoenix. <laughs> definitely thanks a lot alright bro see ya alright man I could literally do that all day talk to a mean just listen to stories and that's usually what we do I probably get in about two or three words every conversation we have we just go to our coffee spot in Phoenix hang out and it's just a mean telling me stories after stories in depth behind the scenes NBA and he's just an awesome guy he's just hard worker he's had opportunities that came his way and he took advantage of them he's not afraid of what anybody thinks of him that's what's so cool to me everybody out there is just worried about hey what's this person gonna think what's the world gonna think of me what what is the term of success to a mean it's doing what he loves and he has a love and he has a passion for what he does and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks or anybody else says about him Big time props to Amin. Thank you so much for coming on the Game of Life podcast, my man. Everything will be linked in the show notes. 
review on iTunes. Five star, please. Any questions, comments, anything that you have, any countries you want me to go to, people you want me to interview, we've got a jam-packed lineup coming up, and I will get them coming out more regularly. Try to be on once a week. Just people from the NBA, people from the highest level, peak performers all over the world coming at you only here on The Game of Life. And I have a brand new setup for the three pointers of the week. It's going to be coming to you in an email in a newsletter once a week, if you want it, of course, where you're going to sign up at DNABasketball.com. My new website is going to be all about the athlete of the future. It's my big project that I've been putting together through basically my lifetime of work as the athlete of the future, how NBA players and athletes are going to train 10 years from now, right now, and how you can do it, how anybody can take this and apply it to their life, body, mind, and spirit, the highest level training possible, athlete of the future, it's going to be at dnabasketball.com, coming soon, and that's where you're going to go. Sign up for the newsletter if you want to be a part of it. And every week, you're going to get the three pointers from this podcast coming at you. So you can't get it here on the podcast, but you're going to know everything I'm learning on, whether I'm up in Vancouver with Jeremy Lin studying big-time body movements of Steve Nash and how he became the greatest that there is, or if I'm in Australia down there running camps and clinics, learning what basketball's like over there, or testing out a new product in the middle of the Amazon Brazil that's going to have give me more mental clarity that nobody knows about. I'm doing all these things, and you can take the journey with me. If you can't travel with me personally, you can jump on board, and you can come with me. I'm going to give you all this information. Be in the show notes as well. DNABasketball.com. Big time things coming. Athlete of the future. Hey, I couldn't be more excited about it. I hope you are too, and I hope you join me on this awesome journey. Because remember, life's a journey. Enjoy it. David Nurse, Game of Life, signing off.